First John, we're mainly going to be looking at 5, 6, and 7, but we'll read uh, 1 through 4 here also. 1 John 1, starting in verse 1. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, and the life was manifested. And we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. This is the message that we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. We're going to pray. I don't want you to turn there. I'm just going to read a couple of these verses from Psalm 139 and then we will pray. Psalm 139, 11 and 12 If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning, Lord, confessing that it's a... We live in a dark world, and we feel it, Lord. We feel it in ourselves. We see it in, um, we see it in our, at work in our families. We see it at work in our workplace. We see it at work among our friends, Lord. We we look around us and we see so much darkness, Lord, and that can be really discouraging, and it can be really heavy. And yet, Lord, the darkness is not dark to you. There is a light, and how we thank you, O God, that you didn't leave this world to waste away in our self-inflicted darkness, that you sent forth your light and your truth. O God, thank you that there is a light for the dark world. And so we pray, would you come today, God, would you shed your light this morning? Would you bring light to this place, light to dark corners, light to broken hearts, light to heaviness and weariness, light to confusion. God, we need your light this morning, and you, have, you are so faithful, oh God. So would you come this morning by your Spirit, and would you shine in our hearts the truth of your word? We give this time to you, Lord, and I pray that your people would be helped. Amen. Amen. Today, Lord willing, here in 1 John, I mainly want to look at um, verses 5 through 7. And I've actually been thinking about this text for a very, very long time. Um, I don't know, some of you may have been there at the very first fellowship conference. I know I mentioned this recently, but that's how much this sermon encouraged me. 
um, where Bob Jennings preached that sermon on God is light and in him is no darkness of all. I have worn that thing out. Half of those YouTube views are from me. Uh, it, is so, it was so encouraging, and he talked in there. I, man, I'll never, Lord willing, forget this phrase that haunts me in a good way. It's, uh, he said he um, was exhorting us that there would be no pockets of darkness. And that has always just kind of followed me around um, in the way that a friend follows you around trying to keep you from, fall- from stumbling in places where you're going to get hurt. Because that's what pockets of darkness do. They hurt people. It's not just about enforcing a principle, you know, like we've got this rule that we need to follow. No, it's about God's glory. It is about following the truth, but it's bad. It's bad to have pockets of darkness. It's miserable. It leaves you. And if you've been there, and you have, because you're a human, if you've been there, well, you're a fallen human. There is one human that's never had a pocket of darkness save the cross. But if you're a fallen human, you know what it feels like when your conscience is burdened. And you've got this area in your life that you know is not right. It's a lie that's been told. It's something that you've done. It's something that you're in or doing or something that's happened. And it's this shadow. It's a, it's a pocket of darkness. And there you can persecute a Christian, burn them with fire, etc., etc. You cannot make them more miserable when, than when there is a shadow in their life, when there's a pocket. I mean, it would... The psalmist talks about it. David talks about um, when he kept his mouth closed, he wasted away. And so that's what we want to talk about this morning, Lord willing, is that there would be no shadows. I want to give the same exhortation. We would have no shadows, no pockets of darkness. Um, I don't care if we have something pretty here, but I do care very much that we would have something that's real. And that's what we want. We want something that's real. So here's how we'll talk about this today. Lord willing, the doctrine, point number one, God is light and has no shadows. Number two, the application, since God has no shadows, we should have no shadows. And number three, an appeal, the truth about what really happens when you come to the light. Because there's some lies floating around that were started started by the devil and they have been believed. So the final point will be the truth about what really happens when you come to the light. Number one, God is light and has no shadows. Verse five, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And John does something here that we must never ever tire of pointing out. He starts with God. He starts with God. And if you're in this long enough, you can, that almost starts to sound cliche. And a lot of times when we stay, we're starting with God. What we're actually doing is assuming God. We're not actually starting with God and working from God back towards the problem. How much suffering in the world today has been caused and has been endured simply because of this? We don't start with God. We don't start with what is God-like and trying to understand God and then understanding ourselves in light of what we understand about Him. That's exactly what it says in Psalm 36.9. It says, 
For with you is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light. Okay? In your light we see light. There's a humility there. There has to be a humility. Not starting with God is an act of arrogance. It is to say, I can see. I can figure this out on my own. I have the wisdom to look out on this world, and I have enough wisdom and logical power to make correct deductions about what's going on. That's why the first act of coming into the kingdom, those that are... um, Those whose is the kingdom of God, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who finally humble themselves and say, God, I don't have it all together. My wisdom is not sufficient, and so I come to you and I submit yourself to your truth. I come to you and I lay it all down, and I say that in your light I can see light, and without your light I have absolutely nothing. You cannot understand anything truly until you understand it the way God understands it. Humility is the first prerequisite prerequisite for the kingdom. And humility is every step of the Christian life. God, who are you and what have you said about this? We must always, always start with God. And we can never, ever get tired of emphasizing that. He starts with God. What does John mean by this statement that God is light? God is light. Well, that's a, it's hard, isn't it? It's hard to explain. It's hard to explain because it's so basic. It's like trying to explain to a blind man what's the sun like. And so you tell him it shines. Well, that doesn't mean anything yet. What do you mean by it shines? Well, it's yellow. What is yellow? See, it's like you're so basic, it's very hard to even talk about these things. But I think that, um, I think that John says some things here in this first chapter, and there's other stuff even in the Gospel of John that gives, us, um, that gives us insight into what it means, what he's getting at when he says God is light. And we could actually say several things, but we'll focus on two of them that get to the heart of this book. He uses light because of what light is and what light does. What is light? It is pure and majestic. Um, Anytime that we talk about the word glory, usually what comes to mind is a glow, right? When you think about glory, like there's always a glow involved. And in the Bible, whenever God shows up and manifests its glory, is it really dark? No, everybody's shielding their eyes. There's so much light. So when we talk about light, we're talking about light because it's pure and majestic. That's what light is. Well, what does light do? It shines forth. When we came here to the building this morning, we didn't turn on the switch and then have to start jump-starting photons. They just go. It's what light does. It goes. It shines forth. And that's why John uses... This analogy also is because it is the nature of God to reveal himself, to shine forth. So when John says that God is light, he means two things at least. One, God is absolute holiness and majesty. And number two, it is God's nature to reveal himself. 
The first relates to God's person and character. He's holy. The second relates to revelation and truth. He shines forth. He reveals himself. This is how John Stott put this. He says, It is God's nature to reveal himself as it is the property of light to shine. And the revelation is of perfect purity and unutterable majesty. It's God's nature to give of himself, and what he gives is perfection in the truest sense of the word. And this means that things like truth and beauty, which are often separated in the world with arts and sciences and things like that, they're they're not incompatible. And even more than that, they're actually inseparable. And they're inseparable because God is light. God is both majesty and beauty and holiness and splendor, and he's absolute truth. Absolute truth. Whenever we talk about holiness, though, we always have to guard, and purity, we always have to guard against wrong ideas. Um, A lot of times when I say the word holy, especially maybe for some of you kids, or purity, what comes into your mind is an essentially negative thing, and it happens to us as adults too. And basically, you get the idea that what it means, and essentially what the Christian life is, is all of the things that you need to avoid because you're holy. So what it means to be holy is that you don't watch bad movies, or what it means to be a Christian is trying to figure out how not to do all the things that you want to do for the rest of your life. Sounds hard. It sounds impossible. That can be the idea of what holiness is. You define it in terms of all of the stuff that you don't do. But that is absolutely wrong. That is absolutely wrong. That's like saying that marriage is not committing adultery. It is so false. It is, it is, it is so incomplete that it has basically become false. Christianity is so much more, I mean, if that, if that was the thought, and it often is, we often think of Christianity, and when you're thinking about becoming a Christian, or when you're in a place where the spiritual life in you is at a low ebb, you can get focused on these things, and it's like all these things that you don't do, or that you're supposed to do, and there's all this demand, and that's all you see, and you miss the glory of the person of God in Jesus Christ. Because when the light shines in, those aren't problems. When you're full of life and full of joy, those temptations, it's like um, the, the hymn writer says, the things of the earth grow strangely dim. It is so different. But these are wrong ideas. God's holiness is a living, vibrant Thing. God is reality. And that is why light in the Bible is so often tied into this word life. For instance, in John chapter 1, it's talking about Jesus, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. It's this living, vibrant thing. Has it ever struck you that God is alive? God is alive. He doesn't have life like you have $5. That $5 didn't originate with you and 10 to 1 wait around long enough and it won't be yours very long. It didn't come from you and it will not end with you. 
God doesn't have life like we have $5. God is life. God is alive in the truest sense of the word. He is living, vibrant reality itself. God is alive. Notice how John ties all this together in 1 John just a few verses earlier. He says this at the end of one. He says, concerning the word of life and the life was manifested. You see it right there? Life manifest, life manifested, revealed, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Oh, let me read that again. Concerning the word of life and the life was manifested and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. God is light and when he shines forth, he communicates all life and truth and all that is good. As Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 12, he says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is a living, vibrant reality, real life. You follow Jesus, you will have the light of life. God has revealed himself fully in Jesus, and the only way to live in reality is to follow him, to live in the light of truth. God is light. Number two, since God has no shadows or darkness, we must have no shadows. Verse six, if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Again, isn't it incredible how John talks about walking in darkness? He calls walking in darkness not practicing the truth, right? That's what we've been talking about. God is light, light in and of himself. He is holiness and perfect purity, and he's also light in the sense that it is, it is his nature to reveal himself and shine forth. So what is walking in darkness? Walking in darkness is when you are literally not walking in reality, You're not walking in the truth. God has revealed himself to us, and he is truth. To not walk in the light of that truth is to walk in darkness. It is a rejection of the truth of God. Life was manifested in Christ. Light shined forth. You know what you're supposed to do, and when that light comes, you close the blinds. You believe a lie. And live on in the shadows. To walk in the darkness is to believe a lie. This not only applies to big things. Because if you're not a Christian, you are in darkness. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says about you. And that can be maybe helpful for you this morning. That if you're wondering about all of the emptiness and the purposelessness. And the fact that everything you try that you thought would fulfill you that finally comes and doesn't fulfill you. And you're wondering what that emptiness is. The Bible calls that darkness. And if you come to Christ, you can have the light of life. But even as Christians, there can be shadows, right? 
You're not walking in darkness per se, but there's shadows there that start to come. And there's areas of your life that are hidden. Things that are left, attitudes, actions, thoughts, um, things that you do, say, think, things along those lines. There can be shadows that start to come back in. And that's what we want this morning for God to help us with. We want a renewal that there would be no shadows here at Lake Road. There would be no shadows. There'd be no shadows in our life as a church. There'd be no shadows in our life individually. That God would help us to deal with all of the shadows. That we would follow God with what the Bible calls our whole heart. Let me read you a few of these descriptions of some of these kings that left shadows. You don't need to turn there because I'll read these fast, but I'll give you the references. 2 Kings 10, 30 and 31, it says, The Lord said to Jehu, Because you have done well in executing what is right in my eyes and have done to the house of Ahab according to all that was in my heart, your sons uh, sons of the fourth generation shall sit on the throne of Israel. But Jehu was not careful to walk in the law of the Lord, the God of Israel, with all his heart. He did not part from the sins of Jeroboam, which he made Israel sin. There's this big, combina- this, this big commendation, but there was a shadow left. Second Chronicles 25, 1 through 2. Amaziah, when he was 25 years, he was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord, yet not with his whole heart. What an indictment. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but there was a shadow left. There was some battle, something, some high place, some some stronghold. That was not just a stronghold out here. It was a stronghold in his heart that he wasn't willing to deal with. We'll read one more. 2 Kings 12, 2 through 3. Jehoash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all his days, in which Jehoiada the priest instructed him, only the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. So again, here's this man doing right what's inside of the Lord, but there's still a shadow that's left. So let me ask you this this morning, brethren. Are there any shadows in your life? Are there any shadows? Is there anything related to money? in your life some dishonesty what would your internet browser say about shadows in your life some way that you treat your family something that you do is there anything in your life that you hope no one will ask you about is there anything in your life that you hope will never come out is there something that God has had his finger on in your life and it's kind of this thing that follows you around and life is light around you, but there's this one pocket of darkness that you have that you know needs to be dealt with. You know something is not right that needs to be made right. Are there any shadows this morning? Well, number three, an appeal, an encouragement about this. The truth about what really happens when you come. Let's read verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us 
from all sin. The devil lies. Oh, the devil lies. He, do, he will do absolutely anything. And boy, we think we're smart. We think that's not the devil. And man, what more would he love than you thinking it's not the devil? When you have these thoughts about the million and one reasons why it couldn't be right to bring this thing into the light. All of these reasons why it wouldn't be right to, to come out of the shadows with something. And the devil lies. The devil lies. Well, notice this, first of all. What really happens when you come into the light? What, if you've got this thing that's been following you around, you've got a shadow in your life, what really happens when you come to the light? Number one, you have fellowship with others. This may be the biggest lie of all. There's the thought, if you, if you bring this thing into the, out in the light, what is everybody going to think? Like, there's some sins that it's okay to struggle with, but then there's another set of sins like, eh, probably not okay to struggle with those sins. If you bring this thing out into the light, everybody who thought that you had it all together is now going to realize that you perhaps didn't have it together like you were portraying. And what happens? You stay in the darkness. What a master stroke of the devil. Master stroke of the devil. You know what he did to that demoniac? It says he often drove him out to lonely places. And that's what, God, that's what the devil has done to you too if you're in that situation. The devil has driven you to a lonely place and he has built a bunch of lies around you and tried to call it reality. And he has told you, if you come out with this thing, if you unburden yourself and perhaps it's a trespass, a sin that you're caught in that you don't know how, you don't know how to get out of it. And the thing that's keeping you from going to another brother or sister and saying, can you please help me and walk alongside of this is the thought, if I tell them this, like, what are they going to think? Like, what is everybody going to think if they find out that I actually needed a savior? Right? What is everybody going to think if they know that I struggle with this thing? And so what happens? You stay in the shadows because the devil tries to convince you that if you do this, it's going to destroy your testimony. And the, what about the name of Christ? And what about this, that, and the other? Brethren, we do not care about having something pretty, but we care very much about having something real. When you come to the light, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that you will have fellowship with others. You will have fellowship with others. When you turn on the light switch, you find that you are in a room full of friends. That's what happens. When you come to the light, you find, and you turn on that light switch finally, you look around, and you find you're in a room full of, of friends. And you know what they're doing? They're all fighting sin too. And they're all getting to heaven. And that's what you do as a church, is you band together and bear one another's burdens, and fight sins with each other, so that by the grace of God, every one of us will get to heaven. You come to the light, and you will have fellowship with others. Do not stay in the shadows because you're believing lies. Number two, not only do you have fellowship with others, but Christ cleanses you from all sin. One of the things that keeps you from coming to the light, or it can be, is this despair. If you've had a shadow following you around long enough, 
and you've boxed and lost a few times, there can be a despair that you're ever going to get victory of this thing. And if I bring this thing out in the light, then it's like I'm committed, right? It's like I'm committed. I'm on, I'm on the hook. Like now, now, now this thing's going to be out here, and what if I don't get victory? Guess whose voice that is? That's the devil lying to you. You come to the light. You come out into the light. Seek God. Find a godly brother or sister to help you come to the prayer meeting and say, I need prayer, not just for those missionaries over there, but I actually have needs in my own life, and I need you to pray for me. You come to the light. God will help you. Jesus is not just a helper. Jesus is a savior. You get a helper, but only after you get a savior. He didn't come because you all of a sudden got to where you could start limping toward his throne. That's not who he helps. He helps the people that are laying there like that man and John who had been there over 30 years laying and had lost all hope that he would ever get out of that spot because when the water got stirred, he couldn't even get there. Those are the kinds of people that Jesus notices. And if you want help this morning, you don't need to be limping towards the throne. You just need to come and give yourself to the Lord. Come into the light. You can have victory. There is no sin in your life. There is no shadow that you're facing. And I don't care how long you've been facing it, that God cannot and will not give you victory over. Do not believe the devil's lies in these things. Part of the cleansing usually is the initial act of coming to the light. It's the beginning of the resistance. It's the stand. It's the the chain. The chain breaks its first, it has its first kind of crackle. You can hear them start to break. That first stand where you have to be brave and trust the grace of God and come and say, it turned out I needed a Savior too. And it turned out that even though we didn't believe our theology, it was true that we are all very, very needy. Every single one of us. And we all have needs in our lives. And they are best met in community with us bearing one another's burdens. If you come to the light, you will have fellowship with others. Don't let the devil lie to you like that deal of what do they think. That, That happens sometimes and you'll just have to bear with that immature Christian. That can happen sometimes, but you'll just have to bear with them that their theology hasn't caught up with them yet to realize, or they haven't been in it long enough to realize, I've got needs too. I've got needs too. Because like I said, when you, when you turn the lights on and you find you're in that room full of friends, everybody's fighting together to get to heaven. And secondly, if you turn on the light, if you come to the light, if you're ready to fight this shadow, God will help you. Jesus cleanses not from some sin. He can cleanse from all sin. Is there a shadow that you aren't fighting? You need to hear this, that God is light, and you can't follow God and walk in the shadows. If there's a shadow that you're not willing to fight, you need to hear what John is saying. God is light, and you cannot walk with him and hold on to the shadows. So humble yourself and come to the light. Is there a shadow you're fighting and losing because you're fighting alone? Because you're fearful of bringing this thing out, coming to a prayer meeting or getting another godly brother or sister to help walk alongside of you? Then you need to hear this. Come into the light and you will find that you're in a room full of friends. If you walk in the light as he is in the light, you will have fellowship with one another.
Is there a shadow? Is there a shadow and you have fallen into despair that you will ever get victory? You need to realize the blood of Jesus can cleanse you from all sins. So what is the appeal this morning? Christ commands you and he calls to you, come out of the shadows. We are all here. Let's pray. Lord, you're so gracious to us that we would make a mess of this world and that you would send the only, the only light there was that you didn't leave us sitting in the darkness. It says those who were in darkness have seen a great light. And I pray this morning that people that don't know you that are sitting in darkness, they would see a great light this morning. And I pray for believers that are still fighting shadows Lord, I pray that they would see light this morning and you would help. Amen.